Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranick, the TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 57, brought to you today by DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is right around the corner, so get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Now listen up, because you don't want to miss this. First of all, head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game to receive $200 in free bets, and that happens instantly. Now, if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for Week 1, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Now, nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a $1 million top prize. So... Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and a $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And so we are in the midst of the NBA's so-called dead period. There are no free agent signings. Everybody is uh, pretty much quiet right now, and I think everybody's trying to catch their breath and understand what impact COVID-19 will have on the 21-22 NBA season. We're still waiting for updated protocols. For those of you who want to know if broadcasters are going to be able to travel, we would like to know as well. We don't have that information just yet. The hope is, and the league would like us to actually be on site. That is the best way to present our games, whether or not that will happen will, or whether or not it will be allowed, that, that remains to be seen at this point. So we have a schedule. Uh, we have a preseason schedule. How exactly all that plays out remains to be seen. And uh, I'm sure that the medical authorities that are working with the NBA will come up with uh, some very, very good protocols. They've been successful with protocols that they've developed in the past. And so I have every confidence that there will be some good protocols in place. Hopefully those protocols will allow broadcasters to travel and to work from site. That would be ideal. A couple of weeks ago, we had Andy Schiffman, an agent from Priority Sports in Chicago, as our friend of the program. And uh, part one of the conversation aired a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then last, last week, we had Rob Fisher on the show to talk about the schedule. The conversation with Andy Schiffman I mean, I said, look, you know, we'll talk 10, 15 minutes and, you know, like half an hour later, we have this massive conversation. So uh, we've got part two of that conversation with Andy Schiffman. He is our friend of the program. This is part two. Really intriguing conversation with him because Andy talks about the role that the Memphis Grizzlies played in him becoming an agent. Uh, And he also talks about Josh Pastner and Josh Pastner had a role in helping Andy Schiffman get to where he is now. So Andy Schiffman talks about the journey to becoming a player agent, and he also talks about his relationship with the Grizzlies front office staff, with Zach Kleiman and with Taylor Jenkins, and how that dynamic works, and why the Grizzlies fans should be encouraged by the way that the Grizzlies front office and coaching staff goes about their business. So that's Andy Schiffman. He is today's friend of the program. That's coming up in a little bit. But first, there are just a, a couple little bits uh, of, of news. 
Uh, Rajon Rondo, who was acquired, uh, he has been uh, waived by the Memphis Grizzlies, and it, it seems that he's going to be signing with the Los Angeles Lakers yet again. Uh, the the trade with Minnesota was finally finalized, and Juancho Hernan Gomez apparently it was reported did not take a physical, so the Grizzlies apparently don't have any interest in having him being part of the team going forward. Jarrett Culver is the one player that the Grizzlies wanted in that deal, and so that trade has now been finalized. Jarrett Culver was the sixth overall pick of the draft. He was originally drafted by Phoenix, but then he was traded to Minnesota in the Dario Saric deal. Um, this is a situation where we really don't know how good a pro he can be. I mean, Culver's numbers dropped from his rookie year to his sophomore year, basically because his playing time decreased. And of course, Minnesota last year was was a real mess. Ryan Saunders is replaced by Chris Finch halfway through the season. What did the coaching change mean for Culver's production? What did it mean for his playing time? Uh, you know, what is the player development situation there in Minnesota? If you look at Culver's numbers, they're not very impressive. Okay, last year he averaged about five points a game and shot 25% from three. Now, he only played 35 games last year. So this is one of those where, again, you're, you're taking a little bit of a flyer, I think, if you are the Grizzlies here, because you, you believe that he has the talent of a number six overall pick and you believe that he can help you. The question is, you know, did, it, did Culver not produce in Minnesota because – He's not a good NBA player, or was it the situation? I mean, Minnesota, uh, you know, missing the playoffs so many times over the past few years, made it made it a couple of years ago. But, you know, the, the situation there with the change in ownership, changes in coaches, uh, the death of Flip Saunders, there's so much tumult around this Minnesota organization. Now, there may be some stability going forward now that they have new ownership. That remains to be seen. So the hope is that Jared Culver, the reason for the low production is simply it was just a bad situation for him. And you hope that, you know, for the Memphis Grizzlies, that now you get Culver into a, a much better place uh, that now he'll be able to flourish. The Grizzlies have done a pretty good job with player development and and handling those types of things. So I think it's important to note that, you know, Jarrett Culver, look, Brevin Knight likes his game. Brevin Knight was has always been a Jarrett Culver fan and felt that he was going to be a, a really, really good player. So we'll see if that happens coming to Memphis now. And now you surround him with a different player development staff, maybe a franchise no, definitely a franchise that is more stable than than what he was working with in Minnesota, where, you know, is Ryan Saunders going to remain the coach? And, you know, Carl Anthony Towns had a lot of absences and, and there were just there was just so much drama around that Minnesota team um, that maybe this is an opportunity now for Jared Culver. Sometimes it is about the opportunity that is presented to you. And and, and hopefully that is going to be the case that he comes to Memphis, gets with the player development staff and uh, he can actually show out the type of player that he can be. As I mentioned, Andy Schiffman in our in our friend of the program segment, he'll talk about the relationship he has with Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins because Andy does have multiple players with the Memphis Grizzlies that he represents. The one thing I will say about the way the Grizzlies have gone about their roster construction, they have accumulated a lot of assets. They have accumulated a lot of young talent. And the operative word there is young. One of the things that the Grizzlies 
are missing. And, and I don't know if this is a, a, a philosophical decision on the part of the front office, but you don't have the old guy, that that cagey veteran, that, that Jay Crowder, that Solomon Hill as a veteran role player. When I think of the two NBA finalists this year, now, of course, Chris Paul is not a role player, but he is that guy who is deep into his career. He's been with multiple teams. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to be a pro, knows how to take care of his body, knows how to be a real good veteran leader. Obviously, that was a huge boost to this Phoenix team. The way that he was able to work with DeAndre Ayton, the way he was able to work with Devin Booker and help them elevate their games. I think that was a huge, huge boost to the Phoenix Suns and, and a reason why they made it all the way to the NBA Finals. Milwaukee, too, I mean, they they had a veteran in P.J. Tucker. And, and, you know, Milwaukee was not necessarily a young team. Obviously, they have a transcended superstar and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and, and, and good complementary players like Chris Middleton. Um, but again, you brought in a, a, a KG veteran who's been around for, for quite a while, and I think that certainly helped the Milwaukee Bucks as well. That is the one thing that this Grizzlies roster, as it is currently constituted, is missing right now. Your veteran leadership is going to have to come from Kyle Anderson because he's, I have to double-check, but I think he's the oldest guy on the roster right now. Um, you don't have that guy who is 32, 33 years old, has played with multiple teams and, you know, can work with the Desmond Baines and the Xavier Tillmans of the world and, and show them the ropes a little bit. There's nothing wrong with youth, but it's an open question for me. If you have a roster that is all early twenties and you don't have anybody later in their career does that pose a problem? Does, you know, are you missing something there? Are you missing that element of the veteran leader who in the dog days of February can make sure that the young guys stay on track? Like I said, it's an open question. And there are certainly different philosophies as to how you build your roster. There are some general managers that want very young and very old and nothing in the middle. There are some general managers that want the demographics split. So you've got some really young guys, some middle career guys, and some late in their career guys. It's it's all what the general manager and and, and the, the vision of the coaching staff and ownership is. And at this point, what I'm seeing is that the Grizzlies, they, they are going for youth. They're going for youth across the board, um, which gives you a lot of upside. It gives you a lot of promise for the future. Um, but wouldn't you want to have a, an elder statesman, for lack of a better term, uh, to be part of your team. That, like I said, it's an open question. I, 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 I don't come down on on either side of it. I just think that it is interesting how the Grizzlies have gone about their roster composition, and uh, I, I will leave it at that. Um, like I said, our, our friend of the program today is Andy Schiffman. Andy is a Memphis native. You talk about somebody who really has worked from the ground up, somebody who does not have a, a family lineage in the game of basketball and how he has worked in some cases for free to find the position that he ultimately has now with Priority Sports. Priority Sports run by Mark Bartelstein in Chicago, one of the preeminent uh, athlete representation firms uh, anywhere. Uh, they specialize in the NFL and in the NBA, and Andy has distinguished himself with uh, with a really strong track record and represents several Grizzlies players. A while back, uh, we sat down and had a, a very, very long conversation, and this is part two of that conversation. 
in which uh, Andy talks about his relationship with the Grizzlies front office. And he also talks about the journey to go from, I like the game of basketball and the Grizzlies have moved to Memphis to being an agent for Priority Sports. Here's today's friend of the program, Andy Schiffman. Let me ask you, because those of us that are really, really close to the Grizzlies, we have our perception of how Zach Kleiman works, how Taylor Jenkins works. I'm going to flip it around a little bit. You have the opportunity to work with them in an entirely different way than what I do, what Brevin does, what Rob Fisher does. And, and, I, and I saw you talk to Taylor about Santi uh, when we were in Las Vegas. Give me a sense of what it is like to work with those guys and what are their best attributes and the reason why Grizzlies fans should feel really, really good about what Zach and Taylor have done. Well, I also want to ask you your opinion on working with those guys. But before I ask <laughs> okay. that, Pete, I think it's they've been they've been a joy to work with because both of them are very transparent and very straightforward. And in this business, look, we represent a lot of players. I represent a lot of players. I don't want to be told one thing and then all of a sudden that doesn't happen. If I'm talking to a general manager or a coach about a player I represent and they're just giving me a lot of fluff, it's very easy to see that. And then you really don't know how to communicate that to your player because you don't want to be able to tell him something. And then all of a sudden he's not playing and you're like, well, wait a minute, back in, back in August, you told me that they were really happy with me and that I need to work on X, Y, and Z. And I did that. And so the one thing that I really admire about both Zach and Taylor and that whole front office, right. Is they're extremely upfront and honest. And if they don't like a player, they'll not in these words, but they'll make it very clear. It's not a fit. We're not going to move forward with them. And here's why. If they like a player, 100%, they will let you know, and they'll be very honest. And I think the biggest thing, honestly, I keep saying the word honestly, but I think the biggest thing, what I really value in a relationship with a coach, whether it's college or the NBA or a general manager or an assistant manager, someone in Zach's position as a GM or president, is when people in these positions understand we're trying to work with you. We are not adversaries. And I think there's this misperception around the league and the industry of professional sports that agents and front office personnel always have to butt heads and clash. And we're just these sharks that have to go out there and get the best deal possible and squeeze these teams for every last penny and just make it seem to our clients like we're standing on a table fighting for them. And yes, that is part of it, but there's a professional way to go about doing that. And like you said, Pete, it's all based on relationships. And I think we understand there's only 30 teams out there in the NBA, 30 employers. There's 15 spots in each team. You're talking about 450 jobs, and there's not 450 new jobs every year. There's 450 jobs in general with maybe 100 of those or so opening up every summer, less the 60 players that are drafted every summer. So the level of supply never really increases that much, if that makes sense. And so – I think understanding that and then um, and Zach does a really great job as his tailor of understanding this is priority sports. We represent a lot of players. We represent a lot of high level players. We're going to hopefully continue representing a lot of high level players that they will want to do business with. And we represent other players on the Grizzlies. And so because of that, there's this mutual respect of let's work together in the best interest of the player so that we're happy. The player is not hurt and is not misled. And in turn, that makes us feel good about doing future business with a team like the Grizzlies. And so I, I think the best way I could describe it or the best summation I could give is 
it's great to work with both of them because they want to work with us and not against us. Yeah. And I would, I would say that as well. And I, what I like about them is they are very transparent and when we had the opportunity to actually, oh, I don't know, go to games on the road. Yeah. Um, and Zach was on the road and, and we'd sit and we'd chat and he, and he would be as open as he could be with me, understanding that general managers and presidents of basketball operations, there are certain, certain things that you don't want to talk about. And, and I, we have a level of trust that obviously something that he tells me in confidence is not going to end up on the air. And, and the same right. thing with Taylor too. I think what makes Taylor such a good coach for this young group is the fact that he is so relationship oriented and really does care about his players as people more so than I think he cares about them as basketball players, if, if that makes any sense. And oh, absolutely. So I think that is, that is hugely important. And I go back to uh, in, in the early part of 2020, my mother fell ill and, and Taylor was through our PR director was checking on how I was doing, how my mom was doing. And eventually she passed away and, and you know, Taylor was, very, uh, you know, hey, condolences. And is there anything I can do for you? And then at the end of this last year, which Andy, as you well know, was crazy for broadcasters because we weren't in the building for road games. Yeah. And, and even at home games, we were we were separated and, and couldn't even really talk to our coaching staff except through Zoom. And afterwards, Taylor sends a note to the broadcast group about how much he respected and admired what we did. And it's just like, okay, this is this is not this is not normal for an NBA right. coach to do this. And so those are the things that I think that that we cherish. Andy, let me wrap this up with, and this is a fascinating conversation. I've enjoyed it thoroughly, and we could go on forever. And I know that you probably got, you probably got about 20 phone calls you, you need <laughs> you, you need to return. But I get frequently asked by young people who want to be broadcasters what is the path and and there is no one path what is the Andy Schiffman origin story in getting from Memphis Tennessee to working for priority sports and dealing with high level NBA players what and and if some young person came to you and said you know I love sports I want to get into it in some form or fashion what would be the the path uh, or, or some guiding principles for a young person who says, well, maybe, maybe I'd like to be a sports agent. What would, what would that path be? Well, those who've heard the story know that it would probably take about an hour and a half to get through uh, in completion, <laughs> but I appreciate you asked me that. And I would say, you know, I grew up wanting to work for a team. I grew up in Memphis and I interned for the Grizzlies after when I was a senior in high school and the Grizzlies moved to Memphis. And so I was always the kid down there getting autographs and hounding the players. I remember buying a $5 ticket for the very first exhibition game. Uh, I think they were playing Portland back at the pyramid and actually have the net framed with my ticket stub from that game that somehow someone, whatever, the first half just handed the net to me. <laughs> you we managed to get the net out of that game. Okay. Man, yeah, that, exactly. there, there's, so, there's gotta be a great story in there somewhere. <laughs> well, it's just I, I, that, that you know, my, my point in telling that is, is starting out as a fan, right. And just being around the game and just, trying to learn as much as I could and talk to everyone I could. And so from there, I went off to Indiana, came back after my freshman year at Indiana, interned in the community relations department. Uh, I don't know if you ever overlapped with him, Richard Cohey, who was the former director of the community relations department. Jenny, Jenny Turner was uh, there at the time. Right. And I got to know Pugs and Jason Potter when I was running around as an 18-year-old kid then. And at that point, I realized this is what I want to do. I want to work for a team. So Went off to Indiana. I was a basketball manager at Indiana. Uh, after IU, I interned for the New York Knicks in the basketball operations department in the summer of 2006. I went off to law school at Marquette in Milwaukee. 
They've got a phenomenal sports law program that I'm still very much involved with. And I'm on the board of advisors there and took advantage of that. Uh, my third year at Marquette, I actually worked for the Milwaukee Bucks when John Horse, who's former executive of the year, now their GM, he was like fourth or fifth in command. And he and I and two other guys would always go out there and just play two on two in the Bucks practice court. So I know those guys really well. And so uh, came back home to Memphis after that and worked as a video coordinator for the first year for free for the Memphis Tigers living at home with Josh Pastner. Second year made peanuts enough to move out of my parents' house and traveled with the team. And we won Conference USA that year. And it was a great experience. And then after those two years of Pastner, started practicing law in Memphis for about seven months in downtown Memphis. And this whole time, still trying to get on with an NBA team. And long story short, I had an opportunity to interview with four different organizations, three NBA, one college, uh, after my two years at Memphis. And was a finalist in all these jobs, but didn't get any of them. I was close, but didn't get any of them. And one of the jobs was for a video coordinator position with the Toronto Raptors back in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. The former general manager of the Toronto Raptors, Brian Colangelo, and the assistant general manager at the time, this guy named Mark Eversley, who's now the GM of the Bulls, who's a good friend of mine. I met with both of them, learned that they probably already had someone in mind, but really had a good conversation with them. And so I went back home to Memphis. A few weeks later, started practicing law, and I got a call from the assistant GM, Mark Eversley, that said, hey, Mark Bartlestein, the CEO of Priority Sports, called us looking for a recommendation for a right-hand man, and, and we recommended you. At this point, I never really thought much about the agency industry or wanting to be an agent and never really spent much time considering it. So I just kind of was like, okay, I'll shrug it off and, you know, whatever, being an agent really doesn't get me too excited. Josh Pastor called me that same day, got a call from Mark Bartlestein, and Pastor is all about it, saying this is exactly what you should be doing. Whatever I can do to help, let me know. This is perfect for you. So at that point, this was in... I think September 2011, uh, I realized, okay, this is a legitimate enough agency that if I'm ever going to leave Memphis for a job in basketball, this is the job to do it. I can't keep waiting around and just holding out on opportunities while I try and wait and hope something with a team opens up. This is a big time opportunity. So I did my due diligence, did my research, talked to a lot of people in the industry. I went through three interviews over a seven month period because this was ongoing with the NBA lockout. So things were kind of moving slowly. And then as I went through the interview process here at Priority, I just got more and more excited knowing about the players that they represented and the people that they work with. Brian Cardinal, former Grizzly, was one of their clients. I actually knew Brian, talked with Brian a lot about his experience at Priority and everyone here, and he sold me on it. And so I accepted the job in March of 2012, so about nine and a half years ago, uh, and I've loved every second of it. And so I guess I say that story because it's important for young people. And I'm sure you share the same thing. Like no one in my family had a basketball background. I, I didn't grow up being around the game of basketball. If, honestly, if the Grizzlies hadn't moved to Memphis, I probably wouldn't be an agent and probably wouldn't even be working in basketball. I'd probably be practicing law somewhere. And so I attribute my career path to the Grizzlies moving to Memphis and the people that have helped me along the way but it just goes to show you that first impressions matter. I think networking matters 100%, as you know. You have to understand it's an art, not a science. And there's, there's an advantage to staying in touch with people over time. It doesn't happen overnight. And just be persistent and try and be a sponge and soak up every little bit of knowledge you can. And for me, I wanted to build my basketball knowledge. And I wasn't getting paid much doing it. But that's why I did these internships with the Grizzlies and the Knicks and the Bucks and work for free for the University of Memphis, and then another year for the University of Memphis, getting paid very little. And just even when I was practicing law, 
establishing a, a blog about advanced statistics and analytics and the use in basketball as they were all just forthcoming about 10, 11 years ago and just trying to show that I was still staying connected to the game. And I think that's the biggest thing that people have to realize. I think people want to hear that, hey, you go with your law degree, you're going to be an agent. Anyone can go be an agent. Obviously, it's, there's a difference of just paying your money to the NBA Players Association, passing the test and becoming an agent versus actually representing players. And what I think being somewhat successful at it down the road and getting on with a reputable agency. And I think that is all just based on relationships. And I speak for the other agents here. None of us were hired because we came in with relationships with players that we delivered to an agency. Other groups work that way. They're going to hire their employees because they're best friends with the top five pick. I didn't know any of that going into this. I was hired on my merit and what I like to think was my reliability and work ethic and credibility and people vouching for me that, that believed in me. And so I think it just goes to show you again, I'll say it again, relationships in sports more so than any other industry matter above all else. And it's not to discount education. It, I think that's extremely important and, and experience obviously, but just even just to get your foot in the door to get that experience just building relationships and then maintaining those relationships. And it all just is in the giant sphere of networking. And I really, I think I'm a, I think I'm a testament to that and a product of that. And I think you add one more element to that and that is integrity so that those people will, you know, believe what you say because you're, you're telling them the truth. And, and sometimes the truth isn't, uh, isn't easy to frame for people who might want to hear something else. Uh, while you were in Milwaukee, what, was John Hammond still there? Yep, John Hammond. Yep. So he, was, he and Jeff Weltman were there. Okay, yeah. So I I, both of those guys. Had an opportunity, because uh, when I started in the a- NBA doing radio for the Pistons many, many years ago, John Hammond was, uh, was with the yep. Pistons staff. And I've always, I've always liked John as one of the, one of the really guy. nice guys. And, yeah, I mean, you, know, you, you look at my business, your business – the good people continue to move on and to excel because they, because if they do approach the relationships that you need to foster with that integrity and with that transparency, uh, I, I think that is, that is, that is as important as anything I think in, in your business or in my business. No, absolutely. I think too many young people think that a way to get ahead, especially in the agency industry Pete, is to cut corners and just to be this slick salesman. Because unfortunately, in my industry, there is a lot of that. And I think from the outside looking in, you see these large agencies or these specific agents sitting there on draft night or their name mentioned in the media associated with a high-level player. And that's all well and good. But just to your point, you don't really know what goes into getting that player. And I'd rather not be in those conversations, but get players through my integrity and ingenuity and work ethic and honesty and know that I'm getting a player because he's trusting his career to me because he feels like I'm going to do the best job possible, not because I cut a check for half a million dollars to his mom, or I promise this, or I promise that. And that's the reason why. And so I've come, I've come to realize that so many young people think that's truly the business. And it's unfortunate because it really isn't, uh, I would say policed or enforced very well. There's really not a lot of rules that are enforced to say, Hey, you can't, there's the, obviously there's the rule that you can't go out there and pay players, but how do you enforce that? How do you prove that? And it's, it's a dirty industry. I tell people, tell people all the time, I love my job. I absolutely love it. But the industry itself is pretty disgusting for lack of a better term. And that's what I love about working at priority is that I think we're, I'm not going to sit there and say we're, we're a shining beacon of integrity, but in reality, we do things differently and we don't get 
certain players because we do things differently. And we're, we're okay with that. We may not be representing top three picks every year, but I would much rather have the Corey Kispers of the, of the world, the Kyle Lowry's, the Brandon Clark's, the Killian, Santi Aldama, Xavier Tillman, Doug McDermott, Bradley Beal, Gordon Hayward. These are all guys that we built something with. Joe Harris. Joe Harris was cut from the NBA. He was out of the NBA at one point in time. It's a second-round draft pick cut by the Orlando Magic. He was on Brooklyn for a minimum. And look at what he's doing now. I mean, it, those stories are, are what makes me so happy to be an agent. And it has nothing to do with how much money they're making. It's just about the success they're having and, how, and, and what they've overcome to get to where, they, where they've gotten to. And that's what I just – I love aligning myself with stories like that. Andy, thanks so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. It has been a great conversation. Happy to join anytime. Appreciate you having me on. Really hope you enjoyed that. Great conversation with Andy Schiffman. Very, very enlightening. It's one of the very few times that I've had time to talk to an agent, pick their brain, learn a little bit more about what they do. Because Andy made the point during the course of the conversation that so many times you hear agents in the news and it's all about agents demanding a trade for their client, agent making monetary demands for their client. And and a lot of times agents don't necessarily show well because that's how they're represented in the media. But the role of the agent in an athlete's life is very, very important because they do everything from negotiating contracts to almost being an unofficial psychological counselor, uh, working with the front office, working with the player and managing relationships. And it really is a very all-encompassing job, and I just found the conversation fascinating. Also found it fascinating. I always find origin stories fascinating. How did you get where you are? There's no single track in in my business as a broadcaster. There, there's no single track to get from you know your the first time you open a microphone to doing NBA games on TV. There's there's no one set way of doing it. There are some paths that are more traveled than others, but there's no one set path. And as Andy shows, there's no one set path to becoming an agent. I mean, he started out getting the getting the net from uh, a preseason game at the Pyramid as a fan and parlayed his interest in the game uh, and his law degree into where he, he is now with Priority Sports. So I thought it was a fascinating conversation and uh, Really would like to hear from those of you who are listening and downloading to the podcast if you have other questions that you would like me to ask Andy Schiffman. I'd love to have him back on the show because it was a fascinating conversation. Uh, but if you have questions about uh, what Andy does, if you have questions about the Grizzlies in general, my DMs are open on Twitter at Pete Pranica. Just uh, send me a direct message and uh, you know maybe we'll, we'll open up the Grizzlies mailbag. We haven't done that in quite a while because uh, things have been kind of quiet. But uh, so that's uh, that's today's friend of the program, Andy Schiffman. Really enjoyed that conversation. Got another great conversation coming up for you next Thursday on episode 58 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm going to preview it because we've already recorded it. And it is with Evan Wash, the executive vice president of the NBA when it comes to uh, basketball analytics. Evan works with Tom Corelli of the NBA in putting together the NBA schedule. And so next Thursday, our friend of the program will be Evan Wash. We will talk about how the schedule is constructed, why it is the way that it is, and why you may see the average of back-to-backs ticking up just 
a little bit. Fascinating conversation. Uh, I'll look behind the curtain. How do you put this schedule together when you're dealing with 30 teams, 29 buildings, um, and you're dealing with concerts and other events in these different venues and travel and trying to make it all equal uh, in terms of player rest and, and the teams not having you know long travel and, and, and being disadvantaged in that way. Really a fascinating conversation. That will be coming up in episode 58 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, which will be next Thursday. Today's edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind has been brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, particularly now as we're in the fall and we're headed really toward winter basketball season, Go to HoopCityBC.com. You can also follow them on Twitter, at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Be sure to go to HoopCityBC.com and uh, check out the information about the fall leagues and what's going on there. Again, as we uh, we hit the 1st of September and uh, and we're headed to fall, which means uh, basketball season. So uh, thanks to Hoop City. Thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook for their support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. A proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.